be seated. And that was that was awesome. You know, it's funny to see a song that powerful brings out a lot of things. And I noticed that we have different sections of people in our church. Okay, over here we have some people who have some sort of Pentecostal background. I can tell. Over here, we've got people who have spent time in the clubs. They got some club section going on over here. I can see that. Back here, we got some we got some Baptists. They're thinking like, "All right, this is okay, but this is about it." And then here in the middle, we got some Presbyterians. Am I allowed to enjoy this? Is this okay? It's really funny to watch, but uh, that's that's a powerful song. Um, my name is Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, before I get started, there's a couple of things I want to reiterate. First of all, tonight at 6 o'clock, if you are a student, we have Grace Life students relaunching. Uh, I'll be there with Chris, who's actually at another church talking about Grace uh, Nightlife today. Uh, and Marshall and Kim will be there along with the rest of our student ministry team. We're going to be there at the Nightlife Center tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, and if you want to go to heaven, you'll be there. So, um, <clears throat> sort of. Okay, so... And don't forget about in the back, please, if you want to come to our Super Bowl fellowship from like 4.30 to whenever you want to come, please sign up. we got to know who's going to come and who's bringing what so that we can know what to buy and all that kind of stuff. So just back there, make sure you sign up. Or if you're a Facebook person, go on the Facebook page. There's an event called the you know, Grace Life Super Bowl Party. Say that you're going so we can keep track of who's going. Okay. All right. We're going to continue our series this week on Jesus in Genesis. This is week two. And today we're talking about two Adams. A lot of people don't realize this, but Adam is a great picture and an image of who Jesus is. And we're going to start with our passage today. It's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let me just read it to you, okay? Then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them both. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, not subdue it as in like destroy it, but subdue it as in make sure it's organized, make sure you take care of it, and make sure it doesn't over, be overcome with weeds kind of thing, kind of subdue, right? Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And that passage gives us a great example of what Jesus in the creation. Remember, we talked about that last week, that Jesus is actually creator. What Jesus intended when he created the earth and man was there to be this incredible relationship that was synergized and, and, and cohesive and collaborative. And in the original settings of creation, there was no disease and there was no famine. There was no animals biting you or anything. There was no mosquito. Well, there were mosquitoes, but they were like pets. They wouldn't suck the blood out of you and stuff like that, if you can imagine. Everything was really cool. And Adam's job was to make sure things stayed that way. And interestingly enough, all Adam had to do to make sure it stayed that way is not eat from one tree. We'll talk about that. Let's talk about the history of this passage today. I want to talk about the first Adam. What the scripture teaches us is that he was created in God's own image. What does God's image mean? In relation to the charge that he gave Adam and Eve, what was that? Here was the image. You are to fill the earth with people and manage it and rule over it, protect it, nurture it, 
Cherish it. Shepherd the earth. That's what your job is, Adam. And that's kind of a little bit of what the image of God means. You are to be a ruler who serves, a ruler who sacrifices, a ruler who helps keep things in order so those in your area of rule and reign will be blessed. Creating in his own image for an important task. In Psalm 8, 4 to 8, I'm just going to read the passage to you. Here's the task. Look what the psalmist says. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than heavenly angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to rule over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. The psalmist is saying, What is man that you would give him this incredible responsibility? You created this amazing world with the mountains and the oceans and the and the animals and the fish and the birds and all these things in the Garden of Eden. You made this amazing world and you put man in charge of it. What were you thinking? (laughs) That's basically what the psalmist says. I can't believe you did that because look at us because you created us in your image for an important task. That ended in absolute colossal failure. We'll talk more about this colossal failure next week, but just give you a little bit of a glimpse. Adam and every man since then has been given charge over the earth to, you know, to rule it, to shepherd it, and to make sure it's okay. Yet every man has left a stain of sin and rebellion in that situation. That's a good ringer right there. Yeah. Dance party. All right. Dance party. Okay. (laughs) All right. Every man has left their sin of stain and rebellion on God's beautiful creation. In other words, what we have done since Adam is taken this world we're supposed to protect and cherish and nurture and shepherd. And we have used it to fulfill our own sinful desires, our own flesh. And we have left ripple effects of that sin. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. What's the result of this colossal failure? You ready? Just the first half of the verse tells us, for because of Adam, all die. Not just men. Not just women. But the birds of the air. The fish of the sea. The flocks. The herds. The plants. Everything faces an end result of death because of the failure of Adam. This Adam who was given the job to preserve and rule over the earth. Now, can you imagine, just real quick, on the historical part of this, can you imagine the depression that Adam must have felt, the shame he must have lived with, knowing that his failure, that we'll talk about next week, had resulted in such a mess that it created so much death and chaos. He had taken this perfect world that God had given him, and mess it up beyond any ability he had to repair it. He was the smartest, the strongest, the most talented man. Six-pack abs, all of it, ladies. He failed miserably. Can you imagine what he felt like the moment that he realized, oh no, this one decision I just made is going to cause so much pain for me, my wife, my kids, My pets, my plants, the birds, the sea. Wow. You know, we struggle with our shame a little bit, don't we? 
Talk about that kind of shame. I mean, we, we feel shame when we just mess up our own life. He messed it up for everyone. So let's talk about the theology. I want to talk about the second Adam, because that's a pretty depressing thing. The history there is not good. What Adam as king screwed up, Jesus as king of kings makes right. Returning to us what we were intended to be. Where Adam failed as the father, I love this is kind of the way I want to describe it. Where Adam failed as the father of the human race, Jesus, the second Adam, redeems and adopts all his kids. Think about that for a minute. All the kids who inherit Adam's flaws and Adam's consequences, Jesus comes back and says, don't worry. I'll take you from Adam, make you my own, transform you, redeem you, and restore you back to what Adam was supposed to be and what he was supposed to do. Let's look at what Jesus does, the theology of this passage. First Corinthians 15, 21 to 22. Let me read this verse to you. For since death came through a man, which one? Adam, the first Adam. The resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam, all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. See, Adam was a failed father, but Jesus did adopt his kids. Redeems them, eternal life, and created for good works. So the results of the work of the second Adam, I talked about the results of the first Adam. The results of the work of the second Adam are these. First of all, what we will be is restored to his likeness. I'm going to read some more verses to you. I have a lot of verses today, so I'm a little concerned about that, but just try to focus in and try to listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, was a life-giving spirit. The first man was out of the dust of the earth. The second man came from heaven. Just as we have been born by the likeness of the earthly man, or the first Adam, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven, the second Adam, or Jesus. Hebrews 10, 14 says, Because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. See, guys, where Adam failed, Jesus, who is the second Adam, paid the price that the first Adam should have been willing to pay, but refused. What was that price? To suffer and die. So he restores us to his likeness for an important task. Now I'm going to save this for the devotional part later, so let's go to the next one. He was sealed. We are sealed by Christ's work. So we'll never again be cause for disappointment and shame because we failed our job. I'm going to read another verse to you, Hebrews 7, 23 to 25. Here's what it says. Now, there have been many priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. In other words, people came and they tried to do the work, but after after a while, they died because of the first Adam. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely. I love the way he says that. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Jesus, the second Adam, because he always lives to intercede for them. You see, the first Adam and his family's role is actually very similar to the role of the second Adam and his family, which is the church, us. See, Adam was supposed to fill the earth with children and then manage and shepherd the earth and all that was in it with love. But he could not. So now let's get to the fun part. 
Before we show this, I want to show you a video that you're going to love. Go ahead and play that video. Then suddenly, one of them swims straight into his hands. This is a humbling experience. You can see the shark's eyes watching you. Its breathing is getting slower and slower. I'm amazed that such a light touch can have such a drastic impact on such a wild animal. Mike is now completely confident and comfortable with these sharks. If people can only feel what I'm feeling now and see these animals through my eyes, they'll never look at sharks in the same way again. First, he induces tonic. Will the shark follow him for more touching? Or will it choose the nearby food container? He then moves away. It follows Mike. Next, he puts the shark's trust to the ultimate test. Guys, is that a crazy? You know what that is? Listen, every once in a while in this fallen world, because of the grace of Jesus, we get a little glimpse of what Eden was like. That's what the whole world was like with Adam. Every aspect of it was at his beck and call, loved him, he loved it, and there was no animosity. He says, the diver says, if other people could feel what I'm feeling right now. He doesn't even know what he's feeling, which is a glimpse of what we were supposed to be with this creation. I have this statue up. You see the statue? I mean, you can see it's a beautiful statue. And it's very captivating. But it's very flawed, even in a bit of a grotesque way, right? With missing arms and a head. It's kind of gory, right? But even though it's deeply flawed, 
you can still see some of God's image shine through, can't you? See, that's the state of the world we live in right now as a result of Adam failing at his job. Adam's original job to take care of the earth and, and all that stuff. And now there's an upgraded job called the Great Commission, and I'll get to in just a minute. But, you know, we see this idea of the sharks with our pets. You know why we love our pets so much? Even though they shed and they're not housebroken all the time. You know why we love them so much? Because it's a, listen, it's a little bit of a reach back, a throwback to Eden. And these are the things that bring us so much joy in the world. When we get, and we don't even realize sometimes, we get a glimpse of, wow, look at the majesty of God's creation and how it's in unison with man. That is a little bit of a glimpse at to what was supposed to be before the fall of Adam. But now we have a different job, which is we are supposed to repair a broken image. Taking the message of redemption to all the earth. This is the purpose and calling of the second Adam, Jesus, and his church, us. See, you guys, when we are in Christ, who is called the second Adam, we are actually, get this, we are actually reclaiming the role that God intended for the first Adam through kingdom work, given charge over the world with the message of hope, and redemption. Spiritually, we are restored. Get this, this is important. We are restored to the type of connection and standing with dad that the first Adam had before his sin. Look at this passage. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus, by the way, the second Adam. All the authority in Genesis 1, he says, has been given to me. In Matthew 28. This is after he had died, by the way, and resurrected. And he says, because I have all the power and you are my children, go, therefore, because I give you the authority to do this because I'm in charge. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Filling the earth. Get it? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, not just about the gospel, but how to live. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In other words, I'll never eat of the wrong tree. I'll never sin. I'll never lead you selfishly. I'll always be selfless. I'll always be serving. I'll always be interceding. Isn't that cool? Can you see the picture of Adam in Genesis 1 and Jesus in Matthew 28? The similarities? There's another passage in Revelation 5, 9 through 10. I just love this one. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. With your blood you have purchased men for God from every tribe. Fill the earth. And language. And people. And nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests. To serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. We're not talking about reigning like a king who takes and steals from people. We're talking about reigning in a shepherdly way, a loving way, a restorative way, a way that when people come into contact with us and our king, that they are saying, wow, there's something different here. I'm getting a sense of of what real purpose and real life must feel like. And that little sense they're getting is they're seeing and experiencing, just like that shark video, they're experiencing what it is for us to have a connection with Heavenly Dad. 
And what begins to happen is this great commission becomes our life's purpose, correcting the consequences of the first Adam's colossal failures. And it does it individually through the gospel and salvation, so we understand that, but far too many churches stop right there. It also should happen culturally, confronting all cultures with grace through how we live our lives, through our jobs, how we make our money, how we spend our money, how we run our households, how we raise our kids, how we treat our friends. It touches every aspect of our life. You know, sometimes we as Christians, we might try to venerate the spiritual component of some of these jobs, like pastors, you know? But you understand, all jobs are crucial to our mandate, our purpose, our calling, which is to fill the earth with disciples and shepherd it. We are a family, guys, of priests, redeemed by the second Adam, given a divine purpose to shepherd and care for the world around us, including its people. So how would I kind of summarize this? As the world still suffers from the first Adam, we understand that, right? There's still some things in the world that are subject to the curse of Adam. As the world is still suffering from the first Adam, including ourselves, the second Adam makes us many redeemers. This is what's so amazing, guys. This is what it talks... Listen, this is what I mean about being in the image of God. What is the image of God? A redeemer. And what he does with us is he takes us... I'm just going to put this verse up. And then I'll explain it. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise like Adam, but wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I put this verse up there. I'm going to give you another translation. It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And here's what happens. We are these fallen first Adam creatures born with depravity. God reaches down, enlightens us, gives us the gift of faith. He begins the restoration process. And all of a sudden, instead of being people who can only have moments of sin and moments of darkness, we become these creatures that can have moments of light and moments of redemption. And now we begin, just like Adam started this echo of darkness with his sin, We do works of righteousness, which God prepared beforehand that we trip over. And these works of righteousness redeem certain moments in time that echo throughout eternity as they continue to undo the consequences of a really bad first Adam. Guys, you get what I'm saying here? This is the responsibility and the privilege and the calling of all those who claim to live the grace life. Because you were sinful You were depraved, and the second Adam says, don't worry, I got you. I'm going to make you one of mine, I'm going to change you, and I'm going to give you a purpose that blows you away. Here's how I want to close. Think back to the shark video. And think back to some of the the thoughts you had in your mind where this guy is holding the shark upside down. He's petting the shark's nose, and and he has food right on the ground. Which sharks love, by the way. Sharks like food. You know that. So there's food on the ground. He's petting the shark. He walks away and the shark says, I don't want the food. I want the man. Not to eat him, but to have him pet me. <laughs> what did you think when you saw that? Do you see how the earth was coming to the man? Guys, this is what happens for us. That, those emotions you felt when you were watching that video, that's what the Great Commission should give you. 
when you see one of God's people come to him. Some of you, I've seen it happen in the past couple years. I've seen God change you and transform you. And I see you start taking steps toward Heavenly Dad instead of away. And it makes me feel a lot better than that shark video. Heavenly Dad, while we know that we have the consequences of the first Adam to deal with, and it's frustrating and discouraging sometimes, we struggle with our sinfulness and our addictions and our anger and our rebellion and all those things, there are moments in our life that you have redeemed, that we enjoy, that we get a little connection of what it feels like to be reunited with you and with your creation. God, help us to take serious the job of the grace life, which is to fill the earth with people from all nations with the gospel. Help us to recognize that every one of us has a job that is important and how we do it so that we can begin to confront our culture with the grace that transformed our lives, knowing that it will transform them. And just like the shark back of the diver, we will see a culture slowly go back to you.